The Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black Male Archives. I'm your host, Rodney Freeman, and we have with us Jason B. Allen. Sir, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So uh, we wanted to kind of get on here. We know you have a podcast called uh, Speak Black Man. And we wanted you to just be just to talk to the listeners about that. But before we do that, can you tell the listeners where you're from and your and your background? Awesome. So uh, Jason Burke Allen, I'm an 18 year veteran educator here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I come from a family of educators. Uh, we have a foundation that is dedicated to grandparents raising school aged children, which is called Lily's Foundation. It's named after my uh, great-grandparents, my great-grandmothers, who both had the name Lily. Mm -hmm. And um, that's pretty much it. My podcast is Speak Black Man is a part of Educational Entities, uh, which is my own small business where I help um, educators, you know, maybe churches, nonprofits, other businesses to uh, master the art of storytelling through their Mm -hmm. blogs, through their podcasts, uh, maybe their newsletters and, you know, other type of content creation. So, um, that's a little bit about me and what I do. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, talk to me about the, this mastering the art of storytelling. How did you get into that? Well, actually, um, storytelling has been passed down to me throughout my family. So um, most of, uh-oh. well, we're still alive, so I'm just going to go ahead and keep talking. But um, um, most of my family members have um, you know, it's still that through the arts. Um, and so I've been able to um, help my students create their own podcast. You may not be able to see their logo behind me, but uh, Students for Equity, they have their own podcast called the No Cap Zone, uh, but they also have their own blog, which is the No Cap Analysis, where I've worked with students to um, share their thoughts about what's happening in society, not just school. Um, And I do this also through my own blog, and that's the work that I'll be doing through Educational Entities. The logo is behind me with helping people to share, create, and develop their story so that it can impact the lives of others. You know, you told, you said uh, that your parents were were educators. Did you see something that just like inspired you or made, just, just drove it home that is really you needed to be an educator as well. Was it something that you saw in your parents that they come home, you know, joyful of doing this job that this is like, you know, I need to do the same thing. I need to follow my parents' footsteps. You know, I, my dad is the non-educator, even though I feel like he's always educating uh, the people that he, you know, he runs his own business. And so one of the things that he does is he takes in a lot of our Uh, neighbors, a lot of the young people who don't have the guidance they may need to, you know, finish school successfully and go to college. So that's his Mm -hmm. impact with education. But um, I did see my mom do that. My mom, you know, retired after 30 plus years uh, working in ESOL, Mm -hmm. uh, working with students who come from all over the world. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them are called migrant and immigrant students. And so I did see her impact 
with yeah. working with kids and the stories she would come home and share about how, you know, they just loved her. It was it was so amazing. I've also had the opportunity um, in my 18 year career to collaborate with my mom before she uh, was in her latter years of getting ready to retire and see her in action and work with her students. Uh, some of her students now are like my former students have become educators because we inspired them. And Ooh. so being able to not just impact our students' lives, but seeing how we're able to help empower their voices so that they can share their stories and yeah. uh, tell their family stories and help, you know, bridge gaps, but also build uh, for their community. So it's exciting work. Yeah. Why, in, in your opinion, why is telling telling the story, telling your story so important? Well, you know, Native American culture, um, Hispanic culture, Black culture, I have family all throughout. And, you know, one of the common denominators is storytelling. It's passed down to us from our ancestors, you know, who we are, where we come from, you know, the things that are are important to us. The arts is a big thing for my family. So whether you are a uh, visual artist or dancer, writer, poet, um, you know, we all have that creative sense of how we tell our story and express ourselves through the arts. And so, a lot of that is passed down to our ancestors, how they communicated, how they shared stories about things that were of uh, past days. And so mm-hmm. those are important in how we communicate, mm-hmm. um, how we show up as our best selves, how we um, share ourselves with people in regards to letting them know who we are and being able to articulate mm-hmm. who we are. It's very important. And so there's an art to storytelling, just like there's an art to teaching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you have any like favorite memories of of uh, when you were in the classroom or, you know, just, you know, dealing with with students um, that you would like to share some memories that, you know, like this really sticks out and I really learned from this? Yeah, you know, I, I would say. In my earlier years, I was teaching middle school here in the city of Atlanta and. Um, you know, just in connecting with my students, they were like, you know, we have neighbors that are a part of the debate team. And I was like, man, we don't have a debate team. And, yeah. you know, most of the inner city schools were not really, you know, being funded for that. And mm-hmm. so we created a debate team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were the underdogs. We were in the southwest part, the west side of the city. Um, And we went on to win the state championship that year, like even going up against private schools. And it was a lot of hard work, uh, but it was the dedication of my students because they really just wanted a shot. They wanted an opportunity to um, take on a challenge that I taught in a lesson in my classroom. You know, I used um, one of the movies. In fact, it was the movie with um, the, the great debaters. Mm-hmm. And it, it inspired them. They were like, you know, we want to be able to do something like this in school. And then they wanted to take it out, you know, further and compete and be in tournaments. And so, you know, it only takes the inspiration of someone who is in a position such as a teacher to change the life of a young person. And so that's one of the memories that I keep with me specifically because on our team, there were seven people and Four out of the seven became teachers. Three are still teaching now, but four of them became teachers and they were inspired by that. And they yeah. wanted to do that for other people and give back to their community. So um, teaching is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I can hear you. I can hear the passion when you talk about that. 
But and 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 with this, with the state of the world or how America is right now, you see a lot of teachers leaving. Um, yes. So, what advice would you maybe offer to a, a teacher who is like reconsidering their, you know, their their position? Would you give them some advice? Yes, I would. I would tell any educator, any teacher, anyone who's in childcare, whether you're in the after school, uh, you know, program division, or if you are in early education, mm-hmm. um, you have to be true to what you're called to do. Yeah. And if you feel burnt out, if you feel as if, you know, your school, uh, your company, your agency is not um, valuing you as a person, and as an individual who is, you know, contracted to give the best service, in this case, is educating children, then I do feel like you should listen to your spirit, your mind and your heart and move in a direction where you can still be impactful, maybe not in that space, uh, maybe not even in the classroom. Mm-hmm. But I do know that a lot of teachers are leaving the classroom because it was very evident in the pandemic that like grocery store clerks. Uh, you know, those gas attendants and those clerks that work in gas stations and um, teachers, those who were in senior living facilities, um, the mail carrier, you know, a lot of positions that people would, you know, not tell their child, oh, this is what I want you to go out and be because mm-hmm. they don't make enough money. It's not valued. You know, mm-hmm. over the years, I've had so many students that have said they have heard people in their family. They hear it from the community. They see it in the media. They see it, you know, in how society speaks about these various positions, including teachers. Mm -hmm. And they don't value that because of what society views of us. And so there are a lot of teachers who feel like I could be doing something else where I feel valued. Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, teachers are human beings, too. That's why that's my first line that I start off on the first day of school each year with my students that before you see me as a teacher, I am a human being, which which means that just like you're going to make mistakes this year, I'm going to make mistakes, but your parents are going to make mistakes. Everyone Mm -hmm. that's around you is going to make mistakes. And so I make that a norm so that Mm -hmm. my students understand that. And so a lot of times teachers don't get that autonomy to do that. They're not strong enough to weigh against the oppression of the system because we have to be honest Uh, If we research and we study to show ourselves approved, we know that the public education system is not designed for black and brown children to succeed, which we see (laughs) across our nation in great numbers. So, you know, what I would say to teachers is don't be afraid to build your own Mm -hmm. because our ancestors did that. I could go back to 1906 on my mother's side of the family where they were advocating to the state for black and brown children because on that side we were black, but we also mm-hmm. had some Native American heritage. And yeah. so we were advocating for both because both need resources. Both should have the right to be cramped. If everybody cramped up in a grammar school, we mm-hmm. need to have that right and you know those resources as well. And so it could be done. It can be yeah. done in a small room. It can be done virtually. But yeah. teachers, you can still teach and not be um, confined to the system. Yeah, yeah. You know, can you talk to us a little bit? I've been seeing the news stories that are out there about the need for more black male educators. Oh, absolutely. Um, why? Why is that important? 
Well, I mean, and, and I know why, but I want. I can yeah. tell you, you know, <laughs> when you think about it, roughly, you know, maybe over under, you know, let's say about two percent mm-hmm. of all educators in the profession are male educators of color. Mm-hmm. Now, black males are still, you know, specifically in that, like maybe, you know. A large percent of that number because there are, you know, more of us as opposed to Hispanic, Asian, mm-hmm. et cetera, so forth. Mm-hmm. And so it is urgently important because, you know, a lot of people feel like, yeah, our black boys are failing and, you know, disproportionate numbers and, you know, we need more black men for them. A lot of people capitalize off of us because they want us to come in and do discipline. Mm-hmm. And then end up just being the person that is yelling at, fussing at, trying to follow these discipline and behavior policies that, you know, eight out of 10 times are designed to gear or rear or shift black and brown young boys and girls into the school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. So where it is rewarding for black men to be in these spaces and teach, because a lot of us want to show up and just teach and not yeah. just be the PE teacher. And a shout out to the health and wellness teachers. It's nothing wrong with that. But they too feel like we get overcrowded with classes and in large numbers because mm-hmm. they want us to just have all the kids because they think it's fun and we're supposed to, you know, in a sense, be a safety net for discipline. Like we're mm-hmm. supposed to be the people that let everybody have fun and it's kind of like recess. And then their craft is not valued. So, mm-hmm. you know, black male teachers are needed but we are losing them because of what is, you know, famously known as the uh, CRT movement. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, most brothers who are in these classroom classrooms, excuse me, we are social justice minded. So mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I actually make sure these young people, not just our black boys, but our black girls, our brown children, our yeah. mixed race children, how are they really prepared to handle the police? Because it has to be a balance. We talk about code switching. If I don't have to code switch when I'm at home, then who do, who am I seeing doing this? Mm-hmm. So teachers have to show up and be able to do that. And it can't just be black women. Mm-hmm. It needs to be brothers that are, you know, unapologetic about being in the field. Because here's mm-hmm. the other reality. Mm-hmm. We are fighting getting black male teachers to come into the classroom because one, by American standards, uh, you know, the education field is still considered to be a pink, you know, collared field. So mm-hmm. that already signals like it's supposed to be a feminine, it's supposed to be a woman's job. That's mm-hmm. the first era. That's the first pathway that we go wrong with steering people in the direction of not wanting to teach. Second is the salary. Most men are like, you know, people are depending on me to be the head of my household, whether it's right. a family tradition, whether it's the societal pressure, whether it's just, you know, what your household may be demanding. Mm-hmm. We got to be able to break bread. We need to be making money because we're going to school to study, to be mathematicians, historians, um, you know, those who are wizards in tech, the sciences, like those are not cheap degrees. Now yeah. I'm, I'm liberal arts. I'm English. I'm creative writing. I'm social studies all day. And those areas too, especially when the literacy rates of our children are so low mm-hmm. are important. And so yeah. you have to have a balance of, I got brothers speaking, you know, the common language, but they also can speak 
you know, street too, and yeah. have a player. So when the principal comes in, just like, hey, you know, principal Dukes is, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they can see mm-hmm. me engage with the principal. But then when a fellow teacher comes in, they can see us say, hey, what's up, man? You know, like they can see us exchange. Yeah. So they'll understand how to build relationships. And so that's my soapbox right there on yeah. the urgency around why we need black male teachers. Some of the things that are preventing us from getting them in these spaces. And that was a call to action. If you're listening yeah. to this, you know, maybe you will talk to somebody in the spaces you're in and say, Hey, we need to get to some board members. We need to get to some HR spaces. We need to get to some school leaders to say, here are some things that you guys may consider changing. So. Yeah. That's, that's what's up, man. And so, you know, how are, how, I guess, how's your organization then preparing some of the, the this, this next generation of educators? Great question. So um, Lily's Foundation is my family's foundation. I mentioned that earlier. We are working with grandparents raising school age children, which means that we're also, you know, if you're a student being raised by a grandparent, we're also supporting you. And so we're doing a lot of this work through STEAM, uh, which is the sciences, technology, engineering, um, you know, also the arts. And we are, you know, making partnerships with those in our community. Now, um, it's a formula to the madness. And this is a part of the work that I do with educational entities is helping people to, you know, build their programs around how to reach families, whether it's students or young people, whether it's parents, whether it's seniors and grandparents. Mm -hmm. Um, These are, you know, intergenerational things that Mm -hmm. people need right Mm -hmm. now. And so how do you, um, you know, how do you build that? How do you build content around that, whether it's media development um, and things of that nature? And so my secret sauce is my students because mm-hmm. we have an internship. And so yeah. the students are, you know, you want to become someone that's speaking in front of people. This is what you're going to have to do. Yeah. And they're like, this is a book club. We're studying. We're reading. We're like having conversations. And I said, right, because when you get on someone's podcast, you need to be able to study to show thyself approved. So if I'm saying that I'm advocating for black male educators and, you know, black and brown children to have a male educator of color, I need to be studying what other people are saying outside of the books that I'm reading and writing from my own or from my own experiences. And so I'm training my students to be able to do that, whether they want to be a preacher, you know what I'm saying? Because Mm -hmm. ironically, I do have some students who want to be preachers. Thank God. Maybe they'll, you know, think and do things outside of the box. Uh, But anyway, you know, being able to show them how to do different things by studying, by researching, by not just going by what you see on the internet, because it's more to, you know, the revolution would not be televised. So I'm being Mm -hmm. very calculated, even in what I'm saying, because again, if anything pierces your interest, Hey, you know, look up educational entities and reach out Jason Burke Allen, like reach out to me. And then, you know, we can consult on some things because that's what I tell teachers too. Yeah. From my experience is that we will give so much of ourselves and give our gifts and give our ideas. And then the school system has it. They have ownership of it. So mm-hmm. now they're going to go and pay somebody a hundred and, you know, 50, 75, $200,000 yep. to, you know, try to implement your idea while they still are paying you pennies. And so I've mm-hmm. learned that too many times yeah. from yeah. Uh, my experience. And so now I'm working with educators, working with parents, mm-hmm. working with nonprofits, working with churches. I keep saying churches because 
my students did a research project I had them do two years ago. And in the pandemic, they were seeing how, wow, a lot of the land ownership in the United States is because of black churches. Mm -hmm. But 80% of this generation that I'm teaching are not even connected to the church. Mm -hmm. So we got a situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If we don't Mm -hmm. have young people who are saying I'm connected to church Mm -hmm. with no spiritual foundation, whatever that may be, church, mosque, whatever, fellowship Mm -hmm. all, um, they don't have a spiritual connection. So I'm trying to reach church leaders to say, hey, we got to be realistic here. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. got to do something because it's more than you just having this brick building and owning this, you know, property because yeah. you're stakeholders, you're landowners. That's that's the major thing for our culture. So I'm hoping that those who are in different faiths hear that message that there, America has never had a separation from church and state. I need the black community to wake up to that. Yeah. Churches need to be very involved in what's being taught, how it's being taught, what's being presented to our yeah. children because character development, you know, in the black community for a long time came from the church. Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. mean, we're all on one accord with that. So yeah. if that's not being taught in schools, but you're being told that, Oh yeah, you know, the kids are learning how to do this. You can't learn the, the way that civics in this country work in one semester in less yeah. than six months. So yeah. again, we need both that merge between community and school. A lot of black male educators are invested in that, which is why we're starting to see these movements about how history is being taught, um, how science is being presented. Because again, we heard all of these black brothers were getting degrees. Mm -hmm. Well, some people do want to come and teach Mm -hmm. and give Mm -hmm. back. And so that has been the dynamic. So um, I'm just giving a little bit of information. I'm a resource for helping people develop their programming, their content. Um, but also how they're telling their stories to the community. Yeah, man, this is this has been awesome because I, I I I could definitely we could definitely sit here and talk about about CRT and you know and the, just the, the the stuff that's not being taught in the classroom. But that's a whole nother. I can sum it up in two minutes. Go ahead. CRT yeah, go is it. it is smoke and mirrors. My students see through it because they like. Mr. Allen, CIT, first of all, like when we go into media centers, let's be honest, like most of our media centers are not up to date with technology. So Mm -hmm. all of the books are not even available online. And ask any parent over the last 30 years, has your child have had a fully stocked media center or library? Mm -hmm. No, we Mm -hmm. all know the answer to that. So Mm -hmm. why are we having a fit about a movement based on how history is being taught when here is the main idea? Mm. American public school systems don't even have multicultural curriculums. So how will we be teaching CRT in a curriculum anyway? Which now that an educator is able to say that, because mind you, no one is asking teachers about this. Yeah. How are we teaching this in a curriculum when we clearly know that there are curriculums across the United States that are still having children do slave assignments? Betraying yeah. and acting as if they are slaves, yeah. picking kind. So y'all, please. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not even <laughs> worth the conversation. Like that's those yeah. are facts. Those yeah. are clear, hard facts that we all know. So I'm just being real about that. Like we yeah. cannot be caught up in you know 
the smoke and mirrors. And this generation, like I teach middle school, they get it. Like yeah. on the middle school level, they get it. Like they're like, we're not learning this and we're not getting good food. Like after Michelle Obama left out of office, they were like that food went back to being packaged shipped from other places. The students know that. Mm. But who is listening to these kids and who's listening to teachers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself. Ask yourself that when you think about education, when you think about how your taxes are going up to renovate schools and, you know, support education. And these kids still don't have access to literacy, not just books, literacy. There's a difference. See, I can school. Different things. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know what I'm saying? Like we got to be, we have to understand this is what I'll end on. I tell parents at the beginning of the year. You've got to have a relationship with your other teachers because you're going to have a relationship with me because I, mm-hmm. I know the hood. I know where you're working at. I know Pookie and I know everybody. So y'all mm-hmm. going to see me because I'm going to show up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a cookout. We gonna, you're going to be there. You're going to get food. I'm going to be like, hey, now here are two things that I need you to work on at home mm-hmm. so we can see some better results because I'm going to find a way to reach them because that's what I'm called to do. And when a parent experiences a teacher like me, they're like, oh, OK, there is hope because there are some teachers out here who really care. And so yeah. we've got to build better relationships for parents and teachers. And we got to listen to these young people because we're going to have the same issue 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now with black people being re-enslaved because the literacy rate is going to be so low. We're not even going to understand Mm-hmm. How they're enslaving us again, and but that's it, man. Man, to. you could you could you could definitely preach that, man. Yes, yes, sir, yeah. man. Well, before before we get out of here, can you tell the listeners where they can follow you, where they can find you on social media, and some of the other projects that you're you're uh, um, you're doing? Awesome. So if you go to social media, if you do the hashtag, uh, you can see it in my name, Professor JBA. Um, if you cl- click on that hashtag, a whole myriad of things are going to come up. It'll connect you to educationalentities.com. Um, that's where you'll be able to find the educator's voice, um, Speak Black Man, Students for Equity, Lily's Foundation, um, and some of the other entities that are a part of that work uh, and be able to connect. And also, if you are a parent, uh, a parent, <laughs> if you are a parent or a guardian or Foster parents, uh, godparents, anyone who has school age children in your household, please go to the National Parent Union dot org. It's an amazing organization. It's definitely definitely advocating for uh, children and families of color, whether you mix race, black, uh, Pacific Islander, Native American, Hispanic. Uh, mixed race from the islands. From it doesn't matter if you're a person of color and you identify. With that, this organization is here to elevate the voices of parents and helping parents get what's needed uh, in their schools, whether that's support for teachers, elevating the voices of students, changing policy, um, holding people accountable. The National Parents Union, um, their website is the nationalparentsunion.org. And that that was my final thoughts on resources on how to connect. Man, Jason, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the Blackmail Archives podcast where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about Black men, which you are one of. Thank you, sir. We got to definitely follow back up with you. Yes, I look forward to it. Let's definitely stay connected. Okay. Thank you, sir. Peace and love, everyone.